to It's a Fan's World. It's great to be back here. It's been so long since we've been able to get behind the mic for this show, but we are back and we are better than ever and we are excited. For all of our usual listeners out there who have followed along with us, like I said, welcome back. For all of our new friends who we're going to make from reappearing from the dead, uh, I am one of your co-hosts. I am Maria. But if I'm here, I'm not alone. Kelly's here. How are you, Kelly? I am very good. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back. I am super happy to be back as well. It's been good. I miss this. I miss doing this with you. Yes. So, like we said, we know it's been a while since we've been back. The beginning of 2021 was a rough year, arguably rougher than 2020 <laughs> was all the way around. You we can say that. Yeah, just just a bit, just a bit. Uh, we made a mutual decision to step away from the mic and get some of our personal affairs in order, but we are back and better than ever, like I said. Uh, for those of you who are new, just some housekeeping uh, about us and who we are. This is a show where Kelly and I talk all about some of our favorite pop culture franchises, such as anything Disney, Marvel, or Star Wars. But in addition to those topics, we also really love pop culture and movies in general. And over our hiatus, we discussed a lot of other topics that we could bring to the yes. table. So expect some content variety in the coming months. I know way back when on our December episode, we announced who framed Roger Rabbit. But when we knew that we were going to be coming back for the month of May, we shelved who framed Roger Rabbit and that will be back soon. If it's May, we got to talk about Star Wars. I mean, the best holiday in the world is May the 4th be with you. So if we're talking, if it's May, we're talking about Star Wars. And if you're here today and you want to hear about Star Wars, then we're talking about 1977 Star Wars A New Hope. And for those of you who have listened to our other episodes, there's even more Easter eggs and surprises because if it's a Star Wars episode, that means we have a guest in the house. He is our Grand Master Yoda. Dave himself is back. How are you, Dave? I'm doing good. It's Earth Day. So, you know, you just go outside, feeling them vibes, you know, soaking <laughs> in that sun. How about y'all? Doing good. You're right. Today was a beautiful day. It was it, a beautiful was. Earth Day. We're really busy, so we're recording this really early <laughs> to make sure we get it out there in time. Not only that, so that way I can actually go to bed because, you know, I'm like <laughs> a grandma these days with my bedtimes. Yeah, I think we're all feeling that life. Yeah. <laughs> So for those of you who know Dave's voice, you may recognize him from another show that is part of the Down the Hall podcast network, and that is Operation History. David and I are co-hosts on that podcast, but in real life, we all run in the same circles. Uh, Derek was supposed to be here today. He couldn't be with us, so something came up last minute, but that's okay. We miss Next him. Next time. Next, Next time. time. He's here with us in spirit with the force. So... <laughs> Like I said, today, it's all about Star Wars. 1977 Star Wars, A New Hope came out, don't you know, on May 25th, 1977. It was written and directed by George Lucas. Music by John Williams, the infamous, amazing, wonderful John Williams, who has scored probably my entire childhood worth of. The 50th anniversary of Star Wars is 
six years away. So this is Damn. what the 44th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and this is why we have an E rate. This, this, the show has an E rating, right? Uh, this might be the first episode. Usually, <laughs> usually we try to keep it G, but Sorry. It's, all good. it's all good. It's not, it's not quite Operation History. I feel like if we're talking about Star Wars or Marvel or Disney, we should maybe keep it G or keep it like PG, but yeah. So yeah, so we've, we've talked about the, the release date, uh, director and music. So we're jumping into it. So we might as well keep going and jump right on in. So let's talk about the cast. Uh, for those of you out there, uh, if you don't know who some of these people are, head to Google. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Kelly, I've been talking so much. Why don't you run us through some of the cast members? I got you, my dude. Um, so for the majority of the main cast include the amazing Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peter Cushing as Grand Moth Tarkin, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Um, and then you have the three Vaders. You have David Prowse as the sword. You have the great voice of James Earl Jones and you have Bob Anderson as the choreographer. Then you have, and excuse me if I say any of these names wrong, you have Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, Kenny Baker as R2-D2, Bill Brown as Uncle Owen, and Sh- Sheila Fraser as Aunt Beru. What a cast. I mean, to have like really? Peter Cushing. Yeah, I can't say his name either. Peter Cushing. Peter, thank you. Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness in the mm. same movie. Dave told me a little tidbit about Alec Guinness that I didn't know. And I feel like this is the perfect time to say it. So seeing how it wasn't my fun fact, I'll let you say it, Dave. Um, yeah, so Alex Guinness actually did this movie as volunteer. I can't believe that. That, I can't either. That is nuts. Well, let's think about it. This Nothing big like this had happened in Hollywood. I mean, there was Star Trek, yeah, but Star Trek had died out. When this movie came out, it came out as a trailblazer because it was, yeah, it was a sci-fi movie with like Star Trek, but this one actually, and to all the Star Trek people, I'm sorry, but this one actually held people's attention and (laughs) gained You're going to start a war, Dave. And um, it gained fr- uh, friction and it built an actual fan base on like Star Trek. And again, sorry for that, but it actually happened. And that's why we're talking about Star Wars now as a legacy and not as a startup again, like Star Trek. Anywho. <laughs> for those of you who want, Dave will give his information at the end of the show if you choose to at him in any of your tweets or conversations. Yeah, again, this is all this, all this is coming from me. This is not a representation of it's a fan's world. This is all my blubber. <laughs> So, um, but we're yeah, not no, saying I, we don't disagree with you, but those are your <laughs> words. Um, but yeah, no, Alex Guinness did this for free. He didn't think it was going to actually take off. Um, it was just a favor. I don't know if who was the favorite too. I don't know if it was to Lucas. I don't know if it was to the recording house or whatever, but it was just a favor. And I it hope they more paid him afterwards. Yeah, really. Or that Probably. like. Or for like the little cameos he had in the other two, I really hope he was like well compensated. Mm. Because I mean, what a favor. Well, I I think Alex, again, just Alex, this was not what Alex Guinness was used to. So when he did it, it was like kind of a spur of the moment. And Mm. um, he did such a fantastic job too. 
He did, but you're right. I think I've I've heard comments and quotes from him that this is way out of his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And he, you're right. He he didn't. Not that he didn't have any faith in it. I don't think. And Lucas didn't have any faith in this project. No one did. <laughs> no one did. But those are the movies that do the best. Not to, you know, I not mean, to jump off topic. But the same thing happened with the Lion King. We talk about it on our Lion King episode. Nobody had any faith in at Disney in The Lion King. And it mm. turned out to be one of the biggest animated, if not biggest movies of all time. You know, well, one of the reasons they said that Star Wars did so well is this is coming off of like the anime craze when it came to the United States. Because that's one of the things I did for, um, you know, that's what we did for the class and um, yes. like that's one of the reasons because um, the sci-fi genre of anime even though like when it was brought to the states they altered it and of course Americanized it and kind of ruined some things but like that that genre was very new to us and since it did so well that was one of the things that allowed for an opening for things like Star Trek and Star Wars to come into play and to flourish. Hmm. But not only that I mean look at this casting it's mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Alex Guinness, Peter Cushion, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, um, James Earl Jones, Bob Anderson, Peter Mayhew, Kenny Baker, Phil Brown, and uh, Miss Frazier. The only two names at that time that actually drew crowds was Peter Cushion, Alex Guinness. Yeah. Mark Hamill wasn't a name. Harrison Ford, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and who the fuck is Carrie Fisher? I mean, yeah, that sounds funny now because all those names, at least the first, like the big three, big four, are huge. But that wasn't the case back then. Back then, no, it was yeah, they were nobodies, no name actors with Peter Cushing and Alex Guinness. <laughs> yep, literally, yeah. Peter Cushing's over here carrying the entire thing on his back. Uh, like he, I got he, this. He he was he was uh, shouldering it with Alec Guinness. He was shouldering it for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think I had heard something that like Mark Hamill had had an interview, not an interview, an an audition, and he was like, yeah, I'll just go. Like, yeah, it's 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 another audition. And I think like when they picked him, he was like, oh really? Like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I got the role. Yay! Oh, like that works. Yeah, like just casual, <laughs> like you know whatever i got the role in star wars so yes that's your your cast list those are our characters oh original budget was 11 million which again not a lot in 1977 either it wasn't a lot um by today's conversion if google did its math right and if i'm competent enough to plug it in correctly today's conversion would be 47 million six hundred and ninety nine thousand five hundred and ninety nine dollars and seventy one cents inflation's a bitch (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah so i mean even today like 47 million i don't know what the going rate of a budget is for a movie but 47 million is pretty cheap i feel like well i mean just think of it some companies spend billions of dollars on their movies Hmm. like this is again a drop in a hat by even today's standards yeah that's what i mean like yeah like I'm not 100% sure, but 47 million is not a lot, I feel like, at all. Uh, At the box office (laughs) at the time, it made 775.8 million at the box office. Um, Opening weekend alone, 
it made $1,554,475, which according to Google was 0.3% of its total gross, which Oof. that's, yeah, like oof. take a, take a minute to digest all those numbers. And that's about as mathematical as it's going to get. <laughs> if we go any more mathematical, I'm going to cry. Just letting you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We're not math people. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 92%. IMDb coming in a little harsh at an 8.6 out of 10. I don't know if I'm speaking from a position of nostalgia, but I think it deserves a little bit more than an 8.6 out of 10. No, I agree. I agree. I saw that um, on the dock and I was like, hmm, okay, I see you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We like get I very said, defensive of our movie. <laughs> I was just going to say, you, like I said, I don't know if we're speaking from a position of nostalgia, which, you know, very well could be, mm. but I would at least give it a 9 out of 10. I don't know about a 10 out of 10. I think Empire gets a 10 out of 10. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I think at least a 9, 9 something. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a good start to, to the saga. I mean, it's mm. not well-rounded. It's not polished. But it leaves, it leaves enough for you to desire the rest of the saga. So I think, actually, I'm going to agree. I think the 8.6 is a good starting point. Let's think about it. It's it's 86% it's out of 100. That's pretty good for your first movie. All right. Okay. I see your point. See, see voice of reason, voice of yeah. logic. This is why we have you here. <laughs> also, I'm going to be honest. This wasn't the first Star Wars movie I was introduced to. This wasn't this was not the movie how I was introduced to the saga. Same, me either. This was not, I mean, this was not. This was actually, ironically, this was the last one I watched. That's right. <laughs> yep, yeah, this was the last one I watched. This was not the first. Was it my, I think my dad played um, Empire and he was like oh you think those are good like fight scenes here you go and that was my introduction to the entire star wars saga so i think that has you know hold a place for me but again empire is a is a top tier movie and that's what I introduced with so i think anything after that you know any movie that stars related afterwards is like eh, yeah it's good but it's not as good as empire so it's probably that perspective of how you're judging it or like what your what baggage you're bringing into the movie? Yeah, Revenge of the Sith comes really close though, like right on Empire's tail for me. Revenge of the Sith, the first Star Wars movie I saw. So I actually have a like very back and forth relationship with Star Wars because a, a good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, tried to get me into it at one point. And I was coming in like completely green. I knew nothing about Star Wars. I don't remember if we talked about this in the Mandalorian episode, but if we did, we did. If not, uh, you're going to hear it again. Uh, coming in completely green, knew nothing about this world. And they're like, okay, start with the prequels. So I started with, yeah, that. So I started with Phantom Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And by the time I got to Revenge of the Sith, I was so heartbroken over Anakin's demise. I was like, F this, I'm out. I can't like, no, I'm done. And then I never, I never did anything. And then flash forward to New Year's Eve 2020, uh, well, 2019 turning into 2020. 
I'm hanging out with Derek because I was the only one who showed up to the party. I'm hanging out with Derek. Yep, hey. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. Y'all bail. Machine. Anyway. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. Time, yeah. time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Yeah. If we're talking 2020 December, I was up to my eyeballs. 2019. 2019. 2019. Okay. 2019. I was up to my eyeballs in work, either retail work. I was up to my eyeballs in zoo work. I was up to my eyeballs in other things. Sorry, but <laughs> mm-hmm, we all mm-hmm. we all know yep. that I am a workaholic. And I will say oh, yeah. this right here, that I am a glutton for work punishment. <laughs> you really are, though. You really are. But no. I was with all, you that other day, my dear. You, you me were, and Derek. So I got so, you. I stole you the other time. Yes. So I was so in all, you know, in all seriousness, uh, we were supposed to do something very different for New Year's Eve. I was the only one that ended up showing. It was a very chill night. So Derek looked at me and he's like, you know, tonight's the night. We're gonna watch Empire Strikes Back. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's I'm not I'm not a Star Wars person. And he and he's like, watch this movie for me. And I will watch any movie on the planet that you want to watch. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Pops it in. The movie ends. I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? That's it? Like, where's the next one? Like, let's go. Return of the Jedi. Pop it on. And he's like, he's like, no, he's like, the ball's going to drop in like 10 minutes. Come back the next day. So I went back like January 2nd. We watched Return of the Jedi. Kelly and I went back on the third, watched all two of the force awakens and the last jedi went to the theaters that night to see rise of skywalker and then on my own in the following weeks i blasted through one and uh one and two episodes one and two the entire clone war saga and then the night before the spring semester started i was like huddled in front of the television watching revenge of the sith again and i was like i remember why this is painful i only appreciate it so much more now so yeah if that's the case i was living air quotation marks here Mm -hmm. um i was pretty much living in connecticut at that time because i was doing retail Mm -hmm. work i remember that Yep. That I was travel. I was traveling from Rhode Island. I was working in Massachusetts, but Connecticut was the best way of getting to the store I was working from, mm-hmm. working at. So yeah, but I saw Rise of Sky. Because I saw the last one in Connecticut. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Okay. Be- because that was my boss's gift to me for going up there, up there. and working as much as I did in training that person's staff. I remember that. I remember that. So yeah, so see, and yes, I, I, I threw some shade, but it was, yeah, it was you did. not well. And that's it why not I bring well, it back hard. <laughs> it was not well deserved. <laughs> so yeah, so that is our little trip down memory lane. Kelly, we what was the first Star Wars movie you saw? Because you're the only one who didn't go down memory lane. So it's honestly hard to say because it's one of those things where I can't quite pinpoint it. It was just always there. And you know what Star Trek was too? But again, I... I I'm a little, a little more love for Star Wars, especially when, since we've made so many new memories with it. Um, you know what though? I, I want to say I did see the older ones first. However, I wasn't, I was so little, I wasn't with it. And then I remember seeing the prequels and I just, you know, being a little kid even more. So I was like, oh yeah, this is effing awesome. I didn't say that, but obviously I was like, right. oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of endeared to all of them. But again, um, Revenge of the Sith stands out because 
I was nine and I was like, my Lanta, they're so pretty. <laughs> I'm well, not even gonna lie. We will get there. We will well, get there. Let's just think of it like this. You know, May the 4th, it's for all Star Wars things. So I mean, mm-hmm. even if we blend like the new movies in this one, you know, it's it's yeah. it's relevant because again, everyone says may the fourth be with you. Mm-hmm. Or may the yeah. force be with you. So so it's it's it all it's all encompassing. Oh, but yeah. no, no. See, if we talk about that now when we get to episodes one, two, and three, that the conversation is only gonna resurface again mm. because Kelly and I have a very one-track mind <laughs> and we've had these conversations. So we'll we'll save all of that. Let me for- let me just let me just let me just finish though. That's not the only yeah. reason I like it, but I was having a conversation with Maria earlier on and yeah. that is why I snuck that in. But yes, I am very fond of all of them. And I think more so maybe even the, um, the seek the older, the, yeah, the older movies. However, the prequels do have a special place in my heart, especially yeah. with how Maria and I have bonded over them. Yes. Yeah. I, I've grabbed I think my favorite era of star Wars is uh the prequels and the clone wars and, and a lot of it has to do with that series i think it honestly mm. it depends on how you're introduced to it i mean so mm. yeah i know me and laura just finished the entire entire star wars saga we finished pretty much all of them all the ones that matter anyways <laughs> definitely throws a seat at one at one particular i movie. know which one you're talking about but anyway, <laughs> go ahead. anyways um and so we finished it up and the last movie we watched was solo because it's it's not my favorite movie i like it does some good things it's a filler movie and that's you know that's how i take it and that's Mm -hmm. her favorite favorite fucking movie mine's rogue one my mine is rogue one and that's not hers but it's all how you're you're introduced to it so i think i did the prequels um not the prequels the original and then we went to the prequels so I think she was used to that. So when we talked about Solo, so when we watched the movie on Solo, it made those connecting points between the two sagas. So it right. made more sense. And that's what she enjoyed about it more. That makes uh, a lot of sense. That's perfect sense. I, I, I mean, David and Kelly are very aware of this. So I have seen every Star Wars movie except Rogue One. And that is solely due to the pandemic because Kelly and I made a pact literally, literally right before COVID started, we made a pact. Like the week before. The week before the the world, the world ended. And we were like, you know, we got to, you know, you've seen them all. You're, you're fairly well acquainted with the universe. Now you're going to start getting into Solo and uh, Rogue One. So I watched Solo on my own, but her and I made a promise to watch Rogue One. And we could have done it so many times through a watch party scenario, but we made it's the same. Pro- it's not the, it's same. not the same. We made this promise to be in person and watch it. So we're waiting. We're get- It's going to happen one day and I can't wait because I have seen so many little tidbit spoilers that I have a fair idea of what happens, but... I'm trying to keep myself as naive as I can so that when I watch it, it's still that experience. Well, but I cannot wait to watch well, this movie. Think about it. I mean, in May, vaccinations in our state goes mm-hmm. pretty much to every, everyone. Yep. So fully vaccinated by May 18th. Woohoo! Woo! Yep. Finally. So we'll be there. We'll be we'll be there sooner than we think. Yes. 
but yeah, so that's our little trip down memory lane and some <laughs> information about our personal lives. So now let's, let's jump into this. Yes. So the movie opens and right away, the first characters we meet in the movie are C-3PO and R2 and a bunch of rebel soldiers who are about to have a really bad day. Yep. Um, we find out that C-3PO and R2 are trying to get away. Uh, the senator's fleet is under attack from the Empire. Couldn't think of the word. Too many different, different, different sects of Star Wars was crossing at one point. The senator's fleet is under attack. Darth Vader himself is there. And if he's, he makes an appeal. I, that's one thing I didn't realize is how quickly you meet Darth Vader. Darth Vader shows up on screen within the first five minutes of the movie. I had forgotten that. So after stormtroopers burst their way through and wipe the floor with all these soldiers, which I think is the only time that start stormtroopers wipe the floor with anybody. Uh, it can actually aim and hit their target. Yeah, pretty much. So these rebel soldiers must have met the most experienced group of stormtroopers. They get the floor wiped with them. And Darth Vader shows up. Leia is captured. Leia is the senator whose fleet is under attack. She is wanted and is highly coveted by Darth Vader and the Empire because she has plans to this massive space station or what will be known as the Death Star, which is a planet destroying, what do you, what do you want to call it? A planet, planet killer. Planet killer, yeah. So that's what it is. It's a planet killer. And she has stowed those plans inside R2-D2. So Vader knows she has them, but like I said, little does he know that she has slipped them into R2. R2 and C-3PO jump into an escape pod which is the most brilliant, just if you, when you look at the whole Star Wars saga, R2-D2 is phenomenal. And this yes. is like, like R2-D2, this is only a snippet of his brilliance that you're going to see many times over and over and over again. So R2-D2 and C-3PO. Oh, real quick, the- just a quick, quick fun tidbit because I did not know this. Uh-huh. Apparently in the early drafts of the script, R2-D2 could speak standard English and he had a rather foul vocabulary. At least this is, this is so like all of his like English was removed, but many of C-3PO's reactions were left in and just keep that in mind as you go through. And if you do rewatch the movie after this podcast and just think of all the possible things he could have been saying the whole time. I had heard that and I'm really sad that that did not <laughs> stay that way. Why? Why? I want the radar version of Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Give it to me. Like sassy R2-D2 and uptight C-3PO. Come on. Like that's, that's content I live for. So they, they slide into this escape pod. They, they escape and uh, no, no life forms, no present life forms were on that escape pod. That is one of my favorite lines. I always, I always like slide that line into anything I can. I was putting air quotation for sentient, uh, for living beings in there. Oh, I got you. Got you. R2-D2 and C-3PO are now sent on this mission to find Obi-Wan Kenobi 
because Leia knows he's the one who can get the job done and hopefully deliver the plans to the Rebel Alliance. And like she says, the famous line, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Damn straight. (laughs) Exactly. He gets the job done. Always, Um, every time. So they are sent to the planet of Tatooine and they're just looking to find him. But you know, the force works in mysterious ways and somehow they are they land in the hands of these Jawa creatures. And let me tell you, I love and hate these things so much. And every time I see them, I get immense joy. <laughs> um, but yes, and it's through these Jawas um, that we get to the Skywalker farm and we meet the character of Luke Skywalker. And he is going to be very, very, very important um, going forward. He lives with his aunt, Um, Peru and his uncle Owen on a moisture farm and he is just a very relatable character I feel like like in the film we see he starts off as like this naive innocent 19 year old kid he just wants to break away from the mold and like the dredge of his ordinary life and he doesn't want to be stuck as a moisture farmer like his aunt and uncle for the rest of his life he wants to break away Um, they show they show that like he has Mm -hmm. conversations he's like I want to go to the Starfleet like oh yeah, already no, messing up. Yeah. <laughs> but he wants, but, yeah. The academy. He wants to go to the academy. Thank you. And I feel like that is a scene. That's like one of those coming of age scenes that yes. it's it's done differently in so many movies, but it's it's really essential to character growth because it's a great way to empathize with your main character Absolutely. who's going to be coming of age really quickly. And going back to the Jawas really quickly. Mm. Again, like you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Love hate relationship with the Jawas, <laughs> but I never felt more bad for them uh, in season one of The Mandalorian. Yeah, <laughs> in that I think it was that pilot episode, or it was the second yep. episode. Never really cared for them, but that moment I felt really bad for those poor little guys. Same. But yeah, so he has that great that great conversation with Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. Mm. this might this might make me some enemies but in this particular one luke skywalker is not my favorite person but this scene the more i do watch it you're right you empathize with him more and more the Mm. more i get to know him i mean now luke's the luke skywalker we have now i love luke skywalker he's in one of my top five favorite star wars characters uh especially well i'm not gonna say that because we haven't we haven't done it on the show and if some no one's watched it i don't want to spoil it um um so you know especially like now i love luke skywalker he's up there for me but in in this movie he he kind of is a little whiny for me but the more i watch it you do really empathize with him and i love that iconic scene of him after this conversation when he storms out of the house and he goes and looks at the twin sons the twin setting sons with the way the music swells and everything that that scene is just one of the most iconic scenes in star wars film in film period oh no it's breathtaking and and watching it again and i probably sound like a broken record because i feel like i say this every podcast and i'm like yes re-watching it with fresh eyes but it's true like you notice so much more and based on like where you are in your life and what's going on and what's been happening. I think, especially being um, isolated during the pandemic, it's like even more so it was, 
I, I really, really enjoyed it this time around. And I feel like even more so I was endeared to him even more at this time in his life. And I, I, I just, I got it, man. Like I get you. I want to get out too. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um, Anything to add, Dave? So this is going to get me some real haters. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Oh boy. <laughs> it's okay. Let's hear it. If you look at Luke from when he's 19, it looks like he's going to go to the dark side. And I can see that. And it's because he joins the Jedi Order not because he wants to become enlightened or to make himself, you know, sustainable. It's to defeat the Empire, it's to defeat Darth Vader, it's to crush everything that the Empire stands for. Even a little bit of be- revenge. Mm. Yeah, it's all revenge. It's not what the Jedi Order is built mm. off of. No. So I think that's the part that Obi Wan starts to kind of seems like, eh, is this really the right move for you, dude? <laughs> Are you really joining us for the right reasons? Because I saw your father do this, and uh, we have an empire now, <laughs> <laughs> and he's at the helm of it. I I could be wrong, and this could be kind of controversial, but I feel like that is one of the reasons why he chose to go down the way he does. Cause you see him, he sees, as soon as he sees Luke, he stops. And it's like, he, I feel like he really chose to be a mentor to him. And he's like, this is why not only would his death, like make him more powerful, like be, finding balance and joining it into the force, but also because Luke seeing it and like him being able to now mentor Luke. And like, even like right after it, right after it happens, like Luke is like trying to shoot them back and trying to get revenge. And he's like, no run Luke. And then like, he's able to go. There's there's a lot of controversy, and I've heard debates um, mm-hmm. that some people say Obi Wan was cut down, and he was, you know, he he force evaporated really quickly. Some people say he surrendered to the force. I am of the mind that he surrendered to the force, and mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of goes along with your mentality, Kelly, where he saw that Luke was watching, and he used this as a teaching moment, where. He surrendered to the force. He was able to create a diversion to allow them to escape. But it's also a teaching moment by surrendering to the force and using pacifist, not using passive behavior and not violence, not aggression, not cutting Vader down where he stood because he probably could have. I mean, Obi-Wan was a little bit older and rusty, but if, if he's Obi-Wan and he's the dude we have in one, two, three in the Clone Wars, he, he could have held, he could have held his own. Uh, I don't he, know. I, I, like I said, he's a little rusty and he's a little old, but. He wouldn't have gone I quietly. He, huh? He wouldn't have gone quietly. Oh, no, sure. no. I think, I think he could have held his own. I don't know if he would have. I think if he wanted to, he could have kicked Vader. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I feel like Obi-Wan used this moment as an atonement for his past mm-hmm. um, actions. Yep. There's also that. Yeah. And I feel like at this point, he's wiser and he's fought Vader before, aka mm-hmm. Anakin. So, and he sees Anakin and Luke, so he knows what things to do and what not. So if anything, this is an atonement for the failures that he has at, that he had as Anakin's master and Anakin's mentor. So I feel like this is the atonement, like I, I goofed up with your dad. I, I know my mistakes. I know what I should have done. And I'm going to apply that to you now. I feel like that's, that's what makes this more impactful. This is the thing that I think about at work. Like, oh, wait, that makes more sense. <laughs> you too. Um, this isn't like, oh, I watched a movie. I had a, like an, an aberration. It's, 
yeah, I think about this stuff every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more along the lines of, I realized what I did wrong and I don't want to make that mistake with you that I did with your father. That makes sense. And I it makes think it that, it, not only that, it makes the movies mean more because mm-hmm. once you see his cameos and his force ghosts, mm-hmm. it makes more sense. Like he's, he, he feels like he goofed up. I don't think he goofed up, but yes. I feel like. Thank he, you. He's, okay. That's my validation for Obi-Wan. Thank you. Thank he you. Thinks, <laughs> okay, go ahead. He thinks he goofed up. So if anything, the cameos he makes in the later movies is all based off this movie. Mm-hmm. Because this is his redemption movie. This is his atonement movie. And the cameos afterwards just reinforces what he does in the first movie. Excuse I agree. Me. I agree with that. I, I agree well. with that. I mean, you're an Obi-Wan fanatic, so of course you're going to agree with that. I saw Maria's <laughs> face when you were starting, and she's like, what? what? <laughs> because, and again, I don't, I, I could turn any conversation into an Obi-Wan-centric conversation, so I don't want to do that, but I want to save those conversations for when they're necessary for one, two, and three. Well, episodes one, two, and three. But I'm, I'm glad that you said you don't think he goofed up because I, <laughs> I will go down that rabbit hole and down that tangent at a later time. If you want to hear it, tune in for when we inevitably do Revenge of the Sith. It, it will be a very, very entertaining episode because that, we already have that, battles. So <laughs> that is going to be the Patreon material where that that's going to be the four hour episode that we're going for. Four? It's going to be like a six hour episode. We're like, gonna, really? <laughs> yeah. By the time, by the time we get to like four to 66, that's, we'll, we'll get there by like the two hour mark. And then let, like, hours. let me just take the whole day off of work so I can just sit here with my, with my, with my vodka and orange juice and just drink while we kind of that conversation we'll yeah. have to divide not even the movies but by <laughs> by topics because literally it to literally like revenge of the sith <laughs> is going to have to be divided into sections yes <laughs> um <laughs> you know you all know you all know uh where were I got you. we before i we got see, you see you mentioned obi-wan kenobi there's <laughs> an entire rabbit hole that we have deviated off into i don't even remember where we, we were we left off talking about luke and how he gets um um yeah so r2d2 and c3po end up at the moisture farm with luke skywalker and luke skywalker skywalker um ends up intercepting the message meant for obi and it basically has leia Pleading, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And basically, what happens but, is R two D two. Oh, go ahead. Oh wait. Oh wait. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go oh, ahead. I, I could be wrong. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. No. Go ahead. So basically, um, in summary, R two D two is a savage and basically has tricks Luke into taking off like his little tracker thing I and sneaks that. off during dinner. I love that. And he goes off on his own to find Obi because he is the OG and Luke has to go track him down. Mm-hmm. And despite finding him in the process, Luke and the two droids are taken down by the sand people who are then driven away by a resident wizard. And I love how they call him yeah. wizard. And wizard. it's Obi still got it. Like Wait he's still Obi- got it even Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan is still, you, you hit the nail on the head. My boy comes in screaming like a crate dragon. <laughs> What a brilliant, like I, I and, and like oh, boy. you know this character, just just the fact that he comes in <laughs> screaming like a crate dragon, I love it. I'm um, so yeah, yes. Dave. For those of you who can't see Dave, he's he's mimicking Obi Wan's flailing <laughs> arms, and it's just 
it's a testament to the character. I love what Alec Guinness did with that entrance. And yes. fun fact, did you know right before this scene, um, Alec Guinness's costume was really pristine. And uh, I think Alec Guinness is a little bit of a method. I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know much about him, but uh, I think I had heard something that he, he was like a method actor. He went rolling around in the sand to make his robes and his costume dirtier and grungier looking because he's like, if I'm an old hermit dude who's living out here in the <laughs> middle of the dunes, like my, my robes should not be pristine. So he literally rolled he's around in the sand for like a couple of rounds before he <laughs> came on camera. And that's why we love Obi-Wan yes. Kenobi. And that's, yes, that is why we love Alec Guinness and that is why we love Obi-Wan Kenobi. No matter what Obi-Wan Kenobi it is, whether it's James Arnold Taylor, whether it's Ewan McGregor, whether it's Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi is Obi-Wan Kenobi. We all know which one you favor, but... <laughs> I mean, yes, there is one in particular that I do favor, but as far as the character, Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan. I like it. <laughs> So my boy comes in screaming like a crate dragon. He scares the sand people away. Uh, does he use a Jedi mind trick on Luke? On Luke? Or do you mean the sand people? No, on Luke. Because when he puts his hands over Luke's eyes. I, I did think like he was doing something. Like some yeah. analysis. It's, or probably some... a for, it's probably a force heal. That's what I was wondering is, do we get a force heal? Is this a Jedi mind trick? Is he like trying to wake him up? Like, No, I feel like it's a force heal because the, the time we see the uh, the force mind trick is with the sand troopers yeah. later yes. on. So I feel like, I, I feel like Obi-Wan's just healing Luke. I, I'll go with that. I'll take it. Mm. You're the grandmaster. I wouldn't go that far. I know well, what they were yeah, you, you know more than me. You know more than me. I am very much the Padawan. He force heals Luke. R2 is hiding and he makes his little adorable bleeping noises and he catches Obi-Wan's attention. And Obi-Wan, uh, you know, tells him to come on over. He wait, Luke wakes up and, you know, Obi-Wan asks him, the heck you doing out here? Like, you shouldn't be out here in the middle of nowhere. And... Luke tells him, I'm, I'm looking, you know, I got this droid. This droid has a message for this, this guy named Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know your name's Ben Kenobi. So we came looking for you. And I, I love Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now that's yes. a name I haven't heard in a long time. It created so many memes. It really did. It really did. There's so <laughs> many memes that come out of this movie in general, but that, that one's a good one. And um, we find out, you know, well, of course I know him. He's me. Another great one. Luke finds out that, you know, he's found who he's looking for. They go back to Obi-Wan's hut. And we get this really great story that gives us so much more insight to this world, to not only Obi-Wan's past, but this the whole world at large, because Obi-Wan tells him the story about how he knew his father, how his father used to be a pupil of his before the dark times. That was before the Empire. And sorry, I watched it very recently. So everything is like still up No, there. I love it. I love oh. it. Keep going. Um, you love it. I don't know how everybody else out there feels <laughs> about it. 
Uh, if anything is proof how much of a researcher you are. Yes. Thank and dedication you. to the project. I always try to put my heart and soul into everything I do. Uh, tells him he was a Jedi Knight, that he fought in the Clone Wars, that his father fought in the Clone Wars, that his father uh, was a good friend of his. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy, a cunning warrior. Uh, he gives Luke his father's lightsaber, which that lightsaber is pretty iconic when you really think about it. Everything that that lightsaber has been through. You mean the Child Killer 2000? You know, you had to go there. I was thinking the Sand... sand uh, the Sand Killer 2000? Sand, sand Killer 2000, but I mean, Child Killer 2000 just hurts so much more. Oh, um, it does. That late, like if like if like objects could talk, that lightsaber would have the most phenomenal stories. Yo, burn me alive, bro! <laughs> <laughs> I Good. have PTSD. Get me out of here! Literally. Can you imagine yeah. a Jedi with psychometry just touched it? They like they wouldn't be able to Ooh. handle it. They would not Ooh. be able to handle it. Yeah, talk like about if Cal touched it. It would just yeah, poor, yeah. poor babe. <laughs> poor Cal. That uh. would be more than anybody bargained for. He would literally look at and be like, what the fuck did I just talk <laughs> Yeah, especially all the emotions that would come rippling off of that thing. Absolutely. He suffered enough. He doesn't need that. <laughs> no, Cal, Cal does not need that at all. So yeah, so I, so that, we get that scene. Um, does anybody else have anything to say? Because I feel like that's a really iconic moment and I feel like I kind of like blasted through it, but does anybody have anything they want to add to that moment? I think you did pretty good just saying, like, I... I just like, I really like the fact, wow, that was, I really like how they use Luke as the entry point into this universe and how they explain it. And from this point forward, we kind of see like, you know, the force healing with Luke, we see him at a later point use the suggestion. And, you know, we find out that his father was a former, former Jedi Knight that was betrayed and murdered by Darth Vader. And I feel like this is one of the things where now that we have the knowledge and looking back and watching it again, it makes it so much more impactful when he's like, oh yes, you know, he was my friend and this is, it, it just, it just hurts more. And mm-hmm. that, that is all, that is, <laughs> yes. that's all I got for that one. Just pain. Pain, more pain. How about you, Dave? Anything to add? I mean, it sets everything up. Um, it opens up the possibility for the prequels. Just if we didn't have that line in that scene, then we would not have the prequels. Really right? correct. Was the Clone Wars? Was it matter? Oh right. Um, I do think it's iconic. I think that we shouldn't take anything away from it. But I feel like it could have been further developed. Oh, absolutely. I get that, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that scene was, and this is, you know, this goes back to Obi-Wan's, and this is where you're going to hate me. I feel like this is the part where Obi-Wan knows what he did wrong and wants to make amends, but he shifts too much from right to left mm-hmm. and then back to right where I need to protect him from, from every piece of knowledge that might infringe what, he, what his viewpoint is. And I think at that point, Obi-Wan said, hey, uh, that was your dad. And I, I get it. You know, this is the teacher perspective. I mean, like, I get not giving him that fact because you don't want to overwhelm him all at right. once. But I also feel like 
Obi-Wan should not have sacrificed himself without, re without revealing that knowledge to Luke. I feel like that was very critical for Luke to know his heritage. That way Luke can develop, you know, either better or have a better well-rounded understanding of what his bloodline is. Because honestly, at the end of the day, it's just an orphan kid looking for who his parents are. And mm -hmm. Obi-Wan knew that. And, and Obi-Wan had chances before, before going to the Death Star and Obi-Wan chose to ignore him. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with the podcast, but that's where I went. Uh, I, I see both sides of the argument because at this point in time, jump, jump in, Kelly, so jump in, Kelly. I, I do. I see both sides to the argument because I hate to admit it, but he does have a point. But at the same token, at this stage in the game, he's been alone for so long and he has suffered so much. And maybe he just wants to spare him that little bit of pain, or maybe he feels like he's just not ready to accept it. Because like Dave said earlier on, at this moment in time, it seems like he could be very much towards the dark side. And it's like, I feel like seeing that and acknowledging that maybe he doesn't want to say, oh yeah, you know, your dad's Darth Vader. He went down that road despite, you know, being my Padawan, my best friend, my brother, you know, kind of son. Like I, I kind of, and like, there's many different, you know, explanations and viewpoints, but I feel like maybe one tiny tidbit would be that like his fear of, you know what, I could fail another and maybe by sparing him this, at least right now, I could help prevent it and get him into the mind space for it. So he would be ready later on. Exactly. And that's, that, that is my viewpoint because this is, that's a whole what he throws at him in this scene, that, that little kernel of, you know, I was a Jedi Knight, your father was a Jedi Knight, because he doesn't know his dad was a Jedi Knight. His uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru told him he was a spice dealer or a spice trader, I think, something like that. And he has no idea um, that his father was a Jedi Knight. So just the fact that Obi-Wan, you know, is, is kind of, pop in that little bubble that he lives in that's a lot never mind we fought in the clone wars blah 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 he was my friend you know best star pilot blah 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 oh by the way the big dude in the black helmet and the cape uh that's him by the way that that's a that's a lot like without that like that's a lot you, to swallow in a day. I feel like especially after he sees the burned bodies of his aunt and uncle, like especially then he, you can see like, I feel like what, like people argue, oh, why wasn't he more aggrieved or and stuff like that? But I see it because he, for them, he expected the worst and the worst is what he got. And he had that shock. And then with Obi, he saw it like, he, I mean, no, sorry. He was more prepared for his aunt and uncle and he had the shock with Obi and yeah. So that kind of redefines his entire relationship with Han Solo, because if his aunt and uncle just said he was a, a master pilot, then Luke's going to kind of cling to anyone that identifies as a pilot, it's legal or illegal. So I feel like that, I feel like that kind of enhances the scene we're about to talk to next when we get to the, um, when we get to the cantina scene with uh, Han Solo is he views pilots in this higher regard because yeah, my father did that. And so when you have Han Solo, who's <laughs> not that. Um, well, Luke, um, Luke already holds aviation and flying to a higher standard. Yeah. Like he wants to do anyway. 
you know, whether, whether there's that nostalgia built in because he thinks that what, that's what his dad did, or he has a genuine love of flying. Either way, he's already aviation and flying is already heightened in his world. Right. So I, but I feel like this, you know, that scene adds in a new, um, if anything, this changes the whole saga because that's why Luke stays with Han as long as he does. Mm. Because I think he views Han as the closest connection to his father that he has from what he's heard story wise. Right. And I see, I see Kelly over here like, No, I'm agreeing, but I'm like, oh, that make again, like you keep saying things and it make it gives it so much more depth and it makes it so much more impactful and very sad because our poor babies, like how much do they have to suffer? And this is why Star Wars is better than Star Trek. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Star Award. So we have beat that scene to death. Uh, Let's move on. So we, we shift focus. We go back to Darth Vader. And Darth Vader is doing what he does best. He's lifting people up, not bringing them down. <laughs> I think I just killed Kelly. I uh, mean, he's bringing them down just in a different way. <laughs> that's right. He's, he's lifting them up first before he brings them down. He is force choking a poor, poor gentleman. Uh, he's trying to find out where Leia is. He wants to know where Leia is. He wants to know where the Death Star plans are. That's that's pretty much what Darth Vader is doing while all of this is going on. We shift back to Tatooine. Uh, Obi-Wan, R2-D2, C-3PO, and Luke have come across the Sandcrawler, and they have come across a bunch of slaughtered Jawas. Obi-Wan tells him, you know, this, is, this was the Empire, and they, they kind of put two and two together that they're probably heading for Luke's house because they're looking for the droids, and who bought the droids? Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. So as we've already alluded to, Luke races back to the hut to find Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru having the worst day. Uh, they're, they're barbecued. <laughs> I'm not that funny that y'all are laughing on mute. Anytime. It's, it's the way you say it. <laughs> Anytime. I'm really not. He's having funny. the worst day. He <laughs> finds his aunt and uncle in a barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Burning to the bone. There's nothing left. left. There's, there's nothing. <laughs> they're still smoking. Like when you get to them. Like they were incinerated so bad that he they're. Doesn't, he doesn't even have words. Like he can't even cry. This poor this, man. This is one of my biggest points of contention. And I understand maybe it's a different time in Hollywood or whatever. I understand maybe if these weren't his parents or whatever, but these are the people like Luke is like, what, 20 years old? 19. 19. 19. Okay. 19. So Luke is 19 years old. I don't care. Like when you've been living with someone for 19 years, day in and day out, and you come across them (laughs) being flayed and roasted the way they are, nothing. I mean, you could argue he's in shock, but that's some serious shock because he, nothing, not an ounce of emotion. And I'm gonna, I am going to put Leia on the same persecution path when we get to a certain scene because, but even Leia gives us a little more than Luke does, like nothing. I mean, I also... 
again, this is me. Also, guys, we're an hour in. Does that <laughs> we're on this team. But um, I think it's also, you know, this comes back to, I can't believe I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. This was also Carrie Fisher in Mark Hamill's first major movie. And I don't yeah, think they developed that acting but, skill yet. Well, see, I don't blame the, I don't blame the actors because there's always a director. There's always a director behind an actor or actress telling them I'm, how oh, to, oh, not, to add to that. I have a fun. Oh, you go first, Dave. I'm not I'm not blaming them. I just think uh, again, you know, this this and this is what makes this movie remarkable is because the only two season actors <laughs> is Alex Guinness and Peter Cushing. Everyone else is just trying to figure shit out as they go. I'd like to add to that because both of you have very good points. And another fun trivia is it basically is said that the actors found um, Lucas, like he, he really didn't give them much direction actually. And most of the time he would just say, oh, faster or more intense. And like, Apparently, according, you know, to the IMDb, it says one time he lost his voice for a little bit and the crew provided with him and with a board with just those two phrases written on it so that he could just say. That's perfect. That's perfect. Not only that, in the later, in the later movies, when the whole Leia, Leia Luke sibling um, storyline comes out, the only person, the only two people that knew was George Lucas and Mark Hamill. I literally it. Yeah. No, if you, you have to listen to Mark Hamill tell the story about uh, Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know this story verbatim, but I know like the loose concept is nobody knew about Luke and Leia being brother and sister. And I guess they were at the premiere and they're watching the movie and that scene comes up and Harrison Ford turns around and looks at Mark Hamill and he's like, you never talk like all serious <laughs> well, picture picture like Harrison Ford with that smirk and that 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 look in his eye he's like you never told me that oh no no it's not that it's the I am your father I think it's that one yeah I because Mark Hamill can it. actually keep a fucking secret <laughs> yeah that was it it wasn't the Luke and Leia that- sibling thing it was the I am your father like when that line because the the line that originally was supposed to happen was Obi-Wan Kenobi killed your father or some something like that and that's what everybody I think that's what everybody thought happened when they when they filmed it they filmed it in front of a very limited crew so that it was this this big massive reveal I am your father and I guess Harrison Ford turned around and looked at Mark Hamill and he's like WTF like you never told me that and Mark Hamill's just like like Dave said like I can keep the secret and that's why Mark Hamill's paid all the all the money. All the money. <laughs> oh, Mark Hamill gets all the money. Harrison Ford is still a gem that must be protected at all costs. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So he sees that. Guys, I feel like this is going to be a two-hour episode. Easy. You should know. This is fans' world. We do yep. nothing half-ass. Organized chaos. Everything we do is organized chaos. You should know that. There's no, you know, not not to quote Ultron, but humans somehow think, oh, is it Vision? Is it Vision or Ultron? Uh, I think it's Vision. They're both the same. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's a different argument for a different day. Different Ah. argument for a different day. But one of them in that scene, when they, uh, he says humans are odd, they think somehow chaos and order are opposites. No, they're not. Uh, different story, different day, different different sector of a company. Moving on. 
Same umbrella company. Same just... umbrella company, different <laughs> sector of a sub company. Moving on. Back to the cantina scene. Back to the cantina scene. <laughs> um, um, yes. So we we meet up with our favorite space wizard and our droids, and we head off to the cantina scene. We get that famous, these are not the droids you're looking for, first Jedi mind trick. If anybody's made it this far, you're a rock star for staying with us this long. Uh So uh, while that is going on, Vader uh, has imprisoned Leia. He has captured her and he's going to get her to talk one way or another. So in comes the probe droid and oh my gosh, Leia, girl, I am so sorry in advance. I don't, I don't want to know what happened after that door shut, but Vader, the Vader you get at the beginning of the movie in four, cause when, when Vader walks through that, that door at the four and a half minute mark, he's just the boss. He's not Darth, the Darth Vader you get like in the conference room scene with the whole explanation of the force and like the force choke uh, and like the probe droid Vader where now he's going to use this probe droid on this girl to make her talk like this is Darth Vader. The guy who comes in at the beginning is just a boss. Talk about a character arc development that happens very quickly, very quickly, very direct movements that really show you who this character is and what they're okay with. He's definitely the the epitome of middle management who's ready for promotion. <laughs> I think he's a little higher than middle management, but but well, that's like I feel like that's who you get at the beginning of the movie when he walks in. The conference room scene is him, like, oh, I got a promotion. I, I can't tell you guys, but I got a fucking promotion. <laughs> promotion. I got a promotion. Oh, I was just gonna add real quick. I really, really, really love this cantina scene because I feel like it's the first time you see all these different species and cultures that exist in this universe yeah and like 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 the force abilities are popping out this is where you see his lightsaber for the first time you Um, also see the first like conspiracy theory and the first contention within the Star Wars universe yes and and also also it's really wholesome because Obi calls he's like you don't want to bother this little one and I that yeah there's 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 a lot of tropes that for that character that come out of Alec Guinness's portrayal. Absolutely. In, in this movie, little one is another one. Um, the hello there, because that's his first line. That's, yes. that's that's the first line you hear from Alec Guinness is, hello there, you know, come here, my little friend. But yep, so, and, and you're right, cause when you, for the most part, other than the Jawas, you haven't seen many creatures or alien species and then you go into this cantina scene and every, like, there's all these different, and especially now with all the EU stuff we have, whether it's legends or canon or just general extended universe, some of these species really jump out at you. Like I was watching, when I was watching, one of the first creatures you see if, if you've watched the Clone Wars and you paid attention is there's a tall in the back of the bar and I was like oh that's so cool like something like that before would have flown right over my head but I thought that was really cool what's up Dave fun fact um I actually have that toll in pop in a pop um Funko Pop uh, Funko Pop so they made a very limited run of them 
Huh. And by very limited run, I mean the only made for one convention. And my work got a hold of my the company I used to work for had had them. Um and I have a damaged one in my stock somewhere of nice. that tolls. And there's very, very few of them. Actually, I gave one away once at work. So you? Uh, awesome. So the convention that it was, it was the Boston emerald convention and the company i used to work for after after that convention closed we end up buying the bulk of what was left one of them being that tolls so the store i was working for at the time had i think four tolls in total and people were coming through ransacking the place looking for it so there's a perfectly mint conditioned one I planned on buying at the end of my shift per company policy. And so I put it behind and I wasn't able to buy it because a guest saw it and said, Hey, is that tolls for sale? And there was a note that's, there was a note that said on it, you know, pre-ordered for, for a guest. And that guest happened to be me, but I ended up wanting to buy it. And I ended up giving that one away, not knowing we had more in the back. So I said, no, this one, this guest didn't come pick it up. I'll, I'll, you know, because they didn't pick it up, it's for sale. So I ended up taking the sticker off, sold it to him. And then later we found a second one in that same shipment and it was damaged. Like no one wanted it because it had like a, a crack or whatever. And I said, this is part of the fandom. I want <laughs> So I ended up buying it that, uh, I think we found it and I ended up buying it that, that night. Like as soon as my, as soon as I went on my lunch break, I bought it. See, kindness is rewarded. You did something awesome for somebody. So see, it came, what goes around comes around. It came right back to you. Yeah. But I mean, it's more than that. I mean, this, if anything, this goes to the the Star Wars fandom was, oh yeah, someone was looking for this, you know, either they were a fan, they collected Hmm. That's not my place to judge, but as someone who, you know, is part of the culture, I, you know, I kind of want to expand that further. So hmm. yes, you want it, you can have it because one, I didn't buy it when I was supposed to. So that's, I shouldn't hold that against you. And two, you really want it. Here you go. And if I, if I really want it, I'll find it somewhere and I end up finding it later. Yeah. But that's, that's awesome. I didn't know that they even did that. Uh, I, I haven't kept up on the Funkos as much as I should just because I, I have all of them between Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, like that, that could get very dangerous and very costly for me. I have, I only have three. I have a little Sherlock. I have a little, Cap- yes. my, little my little Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I have my little Captain America and uh, there's an old inside story between me and my sister with lumpy the heffalump from winnie the pooh so i have lumpy so after karen fisher died i went on a rampage and almost bought every single funko pop that had princess leia in it that's so i think cool. I'm, i think i'm only missing one or two wow that's dedication that is dedication but all right back to the cantina scene so back to the cantina scene we you know, we, we have Obi-Wan, the droids, no droids allowed. So C-3PO and R2-D2 leave the bar because we don't, they don't serve their kind there. We get to the cantina scene. We meet Han and Chewie. 
This is the only Star Wars movie where two out of my three favorite characters are in it, and that is Obi-Wan and Han Solo. So Obi-Wan outs himself when he cuts the guy's arm off from messing Luke. Now the whole cantina knows, hey, this guy's a former Jedi. That's a problem. They hire Han for the job of getting them to Alderaan. Han accepts because he thinks he's going to get a massive cash reward out of this. So we have the cantina scene. We have Obi kind of, like you said, Maria, he outs that he is a former Jedi. Um, they have the conversation with Chewie and Han and they get to an agreement. Obviously Han is, his prices are very, very high, but you know, they figure they'll make it work. Um, so Luke and Obi go to sell the speeder and then you have Han and Chewie back at the ship. Um, one of the thing, other things I really think is so beautiful about Star Wars is like, again, they just are setting so much up. And during the conversation with um, Han and Jabba the Hutt, who is coming after him for money that he has owed, you also, after that, see Boba Fett make an appearance at the end of the scene. And I just wanted to bring that up really quick, just because, again, I really love that. Um, um, and basically, going forward, you know, they get to the ship, but they were followed. They're chased off world by stormtroopers. Sorry. Hang on one second. Hang on. Gotcha. So before before we go too far, I just want to slip this in there. Han oh, shot. go for it. Han shot first. Hundred fucking percent. Only a new. And this is how you can tell who watches Star Wars, who doesn't. If you watch the new movies, you say Greedo shot first. first. If you watch the originals, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. And, and whoever says Greedo shot first, no. no. PG. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. PG. Uh, yeah, so just just before we got too far away from that, that is a gotcha. big like that's a big character moment for Han. So because because again, you're introduced to a lot in a very short amount of time about this person. I think that's one of the things gotcha. that this movie really does really well is it gives you a lot of information about characters and setting them up, and it utilizes the time it has very well and very efficiently because you learn a lot about them in any any character very quickly. What's up, Dave? Not only that, you can also tell how you're going to do Star Wars because if you're watching the originals, you don't have Bubba, you don't have Bubba Fett, you don't have Jabba the Hutt, mm-hmm. and you have Han shooting first. In the later ones, special editions, the Blu-ray, that's when they start introducing. All right, here's um, Jabba the Hutt. Here's Bubba Fett. So the later you watch, the more characters you're introduced to, which is nice. But it also shows you that you're a newer, not newer fan, but you're introduced to it at a younger age. Whereas if you're watching the originals, you don't have those characters there. And yes, both of it was supposed to be in the original movie. It isn't introduced until the first like anime movie. But, you know, so I guess it also is, you know, this, when you watch the movie depends on how old you are. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. it, it tells when when you're introduced to it because if you're introduced to it to the special edition stuff then you know okay so they're towards the end of the lucas arts independent era and into the disney era and then the blu-ray that's when disney takes over so that's when they have all this other stuff added in so you can tell when they're jumping into the series agreed definitely agreed and so you know, they, they, they have to book it out of there because the stormtroopers have caught up with them. We get over to, back to Leia, Vader, and um, 
what's going on in the ship and they are trying to strong arm Leia and intimidate her. So we get to Did see you just the- call the Death Star the ship? No, like oh they no, they are on the Death Star. Yeah, because yeah, like, I'm, try- I'm trying I'm trying to the- go I'm trying to go in speed mode because we've we've already gone so much longer than I thought we would. So they're on the Death Star. They're trying to strong arm Leia and intimidate her to tell them where this rebel base is, where the plans are. And they put this planet killer to use right in front of her and they blow up their, they blow up her home world of Alderaan. So, and again, not as much emotion as I would think someone would have if your entire planet just got blown up, but she does give us all a little more than Luke. So not only that, the most person that has the most emotions, Obi-Wan, because he feels the loss of every person. life form. Because if anything, it shows the, how, the power of the force and how everything is connected. You know, mm-hmm. he feels the death of every life form on that planet. Also how open he is to it, because yes, we know, we know from later too, like you can be closed off to the force. So the fact that even after all this time and all that grief, he's still very open to his connection to it. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Uh, fun fact, if you look at this scene and the cinematography of this scene, nobody is shown from the waist down because Grand Moff Tonkin, is that how you say his name? Tonkin? Tolkien? Tonkin? Not Tolkien. Tarkin. Tarkin. Thank you. Tarkin. Grand, the, the cinematography for the scene, the reason nobody is shown below the waist is because Grand, Mo- Grand Moff Tarkin is wearing fuzzy slippers because the boots that he was wearing were killing his feet and he was not comfortable at all. And when Peter Cushing doesn't like his shoes, you say, yes, sir, you can wear whatever you want and we will alter the camera angles for you, sir. So the reason you never see him below the waist down is because I think he was either in like boat shoes or like slippers or sneakers. Like he was in very comfortable shoes which i want that i want to see those pictures but that's me because i'm a nerd that's beautiful though it is just just changed the entire way they're filming yep (laughs) nobody from the waist down so you get uh you get the scene alderaan is gone obi then like the like you said the 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 scene cuts to the millennium falcon obi-wan is trying to train luke in some saber skills and he and Han Solo have this great conversation about the Force. You learn more about the Force because, like you both said, he's open. He's open to the Force, and he feels the death of every life form on that planet. So there. Okay. So Alderaan comes up because uh, they're in now. They're approaching the Alderaan system. They f- jump out of hyperspace, and they're immediately. They think they've fallen into a star field or a meteoroid field. But uh, no, that's the that's the bits of Alderaan that is floating around around them. And uh, you get one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. That's no moon. That's a space station. You know, they, they realize like, holy crap, this is the Death Star. We're going to get they get pulled into the Death Star and they hide under the floors, which again, brilliant. And Vader feels a little little twinkle, a little inkling in the force. And he knows Obi-Wan is there, but he doesn't come right out and say it. Uh, he just tells the people, he tells the stormtroopers to search the ship, find who's on there, sweep, sweep through the entire thing. 
Luke and Han uh, take the stormtroopers' armor and they disguise themselves as stormtroopers and they make their way into the control room. They split up. Obi-Wan tells Luke, and this is the last time that Obi-Wan and Luke are really going to see each other. Uh, Obi-Wan and Luke, don't, don't do that. We're not going to go off on a tangent over here. So Obi-Wan, you know, tells him, you know, Force will be with you always. He's going to find the tractor beam to pull the lever. Luke is going to go find Leia. And Han and, so, uh, Han and Chewie are going to help him. So everybody is split up now. C-3PO and R2-D2 are going to stay in the control room and keep an eye out on everything. And honestly, I would want R2 in front of the control panel just for everything R2 can do. So I, I agree with that. I think that was a good choice. Uh, also, when they're hiding under the floorboards, you get also one of my favorite Obi-Wan quotes ever. Who is more foolish, the fool or the fool that follows him? Luke goes to rescue Leia. He convinces Han to come with him and help him because she's rich. If you think, you know, you're going to get in, or if you, you know, you, you thought you were going to get paid from Alderaan and, you know, now that's not happening, but don't worry because this girl is rich. She's got lots of money. And I love, she's a I princess. Love, she's a princess, but I love Han. I love Han. He, uh, because Luke doesn't really know what to say. He's like, more than you can imagine. And Han, I don't know. I can imagine a lot. <laughs> Me too, pal. Me too. So the boys go. The boys and Chewie go. They rescue Leia. Han talking to the guards via the control panel. That is one of is my favorite scenes. Best, that- best thing. One of the best things in the whole movie. <laughs> and just, just whole scene with the dynamics because now Carrie Fisher or Princess Leia has met the boys and like this is the first time our trio is a trio and just the sass that is going on from her it's beautiful the dynamics between these three again you learn so much about them as a whole but you start to see and learn more about them as individuals in such a short amount of time like are you a little short to be a stormtrooper stormtrooper yes that like Thanks, Leia. <laughs> Thanks, Leia. Yeah, right. So I love just, I love the fact later on he's like, I don't know if I'm starting to li- like if I hate her or if I'm starting to like her. <laughs> That's what like like the one liners that they all have in this moment. And uh it's just this is great. This is a great scene. They're pinned, they're pinned at their position. So they're trying to get away. C3PO is being very unhelpful and uncommunicative. So Leia shoots a hole in the wall. And the three of them jump down this trash chute. While that's going on, we get little snippets of Obi-Wan sneaking around the ship, trying to find the tractor beam. While our trio is in a garbage chute, trying to stay alive and not get compressed into sardines or get eaten by whatever lives in that trash compactor. Fun, a uh, quick fun tidbit. Mm-hmm. Our boy, Mark Hamill, he held his breath for so long, I believe, he broke a blood vessel in his face and that's why they film only one side of his face for the rest of I didn't know that I didn't even notice that that's really interesting let me let me tell you something I give Mark Hamill a lot of credit because that water looks nasty (laughs) yes that is like one of the things that I was thinking of watching that scene I I never really thought about it but watching it with fresh eyes I'm like oh no 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 so Eventually, C-3PO answers, and he's able to get R2-D2 to reverse the trash compactor, and they're able to get out. 
So once they get out, there's one of the best parts I love is when now they split up again because Han and Chewie go to create this diversion and, and leave Other the stormtroopers away. And I love I love that run he does he when he's running down them. the hall. Literally that scream, he's just, and then he like stops, he runs into them, he stops, he turns around <laughs> and he, he, he like runs away and he runs right by Chewie. It, for me, it carries heavy uh, Jack Sparrow vibes from Dead Man's Chest when he comes running around the corner of the beach when uh, Will Turner's like, no, I can't leave without Jack. And then, you know, Jack comes running around the corner. He's like, no, never mind. Let's go. Except Han did it first. Han did it first. That's right. Han did it first. But that, that's where my brain goes and draws those connections. Obi-Wan finds a tractor beam. He does what he has to do. And on his way back to rendezvous with Luke and Leia and Han, he runs into Darth Vader. And this, this is, I, I, I'm going to stop talking because I will always focus on the Obi-Wan moments. So somebody else jump in so we're not here for another hour. Real quick, I'll just say this is one of, like, this is like one of my, my last favorite scene of the movie, although I love many, because it's just, it's done so well. Mm-hmm. And I think we touched upon it a little bit earlier on anyway, but when we were talking about, like, how, like, as soon as he sees the kids, basically, and he just like, he's like, if you strike me, wait, wait, I want to make if sure. If you strike me down, down I shall become, become more powerful. powerful than you can possibly imagine. And it's like, just, it's epic. It's epic. Mm-hmm. And it gets you hyped and you're like, oh, and it's, it's done so well. And it's just one of my favorite scenes and the music too. The music, the, the music, the whole musical score to this movie is just a testament to John Williams, but anything John Williams does is a testament to him. But if you pay attention to the choreography in this movie, because I, I feel like this fight scene from people who are not knowledgeable about it, it gets some slack or flack. I should say it gets some flack. When George Lucas was putting this scene together, it's supposed to be a highly, chore- not I don't want to say highly choreographed, but like it's supposed to be a fight between two grandmasters. These are, these are two people who know their craft who have fought each other before. And because people say, you know, it it could have been a better fight scene, but I disagree. I think it's great the way it is. And it's supposed to be a calculated fight between two people who know what they're doing. Dave, you've been quiet. It's been me and Kelly. You still with us? Did we lose you? Did you fall asleep? Oh, I'm still here. It's just I've, I've talked a lot, so I'm just letting you guys get your 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 piece and your steam out. Yeah. Um, no, I think this scene is the most important. And if anything, this is a callback to later scenes. So, like, especially with um, episode eight with Luke and that whole thing, he pulls a Kenobi, right? He's He's there, but he's not actually there. He he's pacifist kind of from that point and i think at this point you know and this thing no matter how much people poopy on the prequels the prequels set up this scene that shows that obi-wan has matured beyond his younger years and he is wiser and he knows how to use his power in a way that's non- 
I wouldn't say not combative, but more of a defensive area. Right. And he, yeah, he's goading Darth Vader. He's definitely goading Anakin, but he does in a way that is, no, I know you want to do this. Just be your natural self sort of mentality as opposed to just goading him, like, you know, getting him soaked up. So I feel like it's Obi-Wan making the acknowledgement, like, I failed you, and because I failed you, you've done this, and you've given in to what you've always wanted to do, but because you're giving into your own instincts, and I am reserving my own, that makes me stronger than you are. So by right. you striking me down, you've given in more, and it makes you, it makes you weaker because you're giving an instinct, whereas I held my moral grounding if that makes any sort of sense whatsoever no it, it makes it, it makes sense and honestly the more you talk about it the more i'm like oh, okay yeah like that's that's much better than how i would have articulated it and it makes much more sense than what i said before i concur so he pulls the ultimate pacifist move and he surrenders to the force luke and leia and han are able to use that moment to get away uh, and even right away, Obi-Wan puts that force ghost mentality and skills to work because he, you know, he tells Luke, run, Luke, run. And they, they run, they get away. They have to fight their way to the rebel base, but they do make it to the rebel base. And once they're there, Han Solo makes it very clear. He's not sticking around. He's just in it for the money. He's not in it for the revolution or for even Princess Leia. I love that. I love that little moment, but that was funny. We get a, uh, you know, Luke is welcomed with open arms. He runs into a bunch of his friends. Uh, there was a deleted scene with the character Biggs at the beginning of the movie that um, was eventually cut. But Biggs is somebody who you would have met before, who is a friend of Luke's. And, you know, Luke, Luke is all in his glory. He's going to become a fighter pilot for the resistance. He's with friends. The plans of the Death Star have been safely delivered, so now the Resistance can put those plans to good use and figure out a weak point and penetrate it. And they 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 saddle up. But before uh, there's there's a little EU fact that I love, just because I I love to hate Palpatine. Obi's words eventually got back to Palpatine. I think Dave was saying that this came out in a comic, and those words, you know. Uh, strike me down and I should become more powerful. Apparently they got back to Palpatine via Vader and uh, what did, it, did it like freak him out, Dave, or some, something like that? Oh, we did. I think Palpatine at that point realized like, ah, uh, you did what instead of doing what? <laughs> I'd also like- I want to- that version with it just like that, with that laugh. Wait a minute, I didn't say do that to him. I said do this. (laughs) Go ahead, Kelly. What's up? Oh, I was also going to say, don't forget Wedge, because um, we were talking about it earlier. Yes, Um, yes. Ewan Ewan McGregor's uncle, um, let me make sure I say this gentleman's name correctly. I believe it was Dennis Lawson um, plays Wedge and Tillis, and he is the one who has that conversation with Luke right before they get on um, and get ready to pilot and leave. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really, it's really cool. And especially yeah. since he shows up again, 
in the yeah, later movies. Later it makes movies. it so so. It's full so circle. It's, it's a family oh. affair. It's a family yes. affair for the McGregor family. <laughs> um, Red Company and Gold Company are ready to fly, and they take off. They do their thing. They lose some members along the way. Darth Vader's had enough of everybody's crap, and he gets out there, and he's he's gunning for them himself. Luke is and and trying to shoot because what do they have to do? They have to shoot their. Um, they have to get the torpedo into the thermal exhaust. That is right. What was it? It's it's very specific, and a lot of people specific. love to like. Yeah, they, go ahead. They um sorry, I wrote it down in my notes. So I want to make sure I say it properly because I don't want to set off anybody. Um oh yeah, so they have to for to get to the design flaw, the thermal exhaust port that resides right below the main port, and they have to shoot their torpedo into that after going through, and that would cause a chain reaction that would take down the whole Death Star. But they have to travel travel through like the Death Star's trench in order to get there. And that's what made it even more treacherous. And like you said, they lost a lot. I think out of the Red Squad Squadron, only Wedge and Luke were left. Yeah, so that, there you go. So it's it's not an easy thing. They have to try this and attempt this more than once. Luke ends up making the winning shot, but he's only able to make the winning shot because everybody's favorite space rebel comes back in and distracts Darth Vader. So everybody, so Luke can take the winning shot. And I love that little like cheer he gives as he comes in and he's like, take your shot, kid. See, I thought you were going to make a total Obi-Wan reference, so I was going to say, use the force, Luke. <laughs> then there was that. I'm trying not to be so Obi-Wan-centric, because like I said, I could I could do that all day. But you got to give Han his moment, too. Uh, you know, Obi-Wan has his moment where, you know, it's one last little piece of wisdom where he's like, use the force, Luke. And I love how you're saying this line. Any day, any day. I'm here all day for my terrible Alec Guinness impressions. So Luke with Luke with the help of Wedge and Han, he takes his winning shot. The Death Star explodes in a beautiful blazing glory. Darth Vader is the only one to survive. Of course. Yeah, like, yeah, of course, because he's gotta come back. You know, he's not imagine he's, the conversation between Palpatine and Darth Vader about the destruction <laughs> of the Death Star. That is not a board meeting that I want to be part of. What do you mean the Death Star is destroyed? Wait, no, you're joking, right? Vader. Vader. <laughs> You're much more casual than Palpatine would have been. Just the force choke and the force throw was probably used. <laughs> well, and not to, I, we've been rambling on and on and on, and I don't want to go too long, but I know Vader's suit was meant to hinder a lot of Vader's abilities and stifle him and keep him in pain so that Palpatine could purposely control him a little bit easier and he wouldn't be at his full effect because Anakin Vader, whatever you want to call him, he's a powerful dude. So for him to be rocking at full volume all the time, he could wipe the floor with Palpatine. He could. Um, I also, I don't feel like that Vader would have been force choked. I feel like Vader would have been electrocuted because Probably. he's oh, yes, that all mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conversation we have it isn't rambling it's it's adding different elements or different tones to the movie to make it more not grainy but more connectable you know yes there you go i like that connectable so our heroes return to the base 
They are celebrated. And fun fact, if you pay attention, when Luke gets out of his X-Wing and, you know, he's hugged by Han and then Carrie, uh, Carrie, Leia, I, I always want to call her Carrie Fisher. I never call her Princess Leia. Princess Leia comes running up to her. Carrie is on my brain because if you listen and you watch it with subtitles, the subtitles say Luke because that's what Princess Leia is saying. Luke's line is Leia, but if you listen, Mark Hamill calls her Carrie and you have to really listen to the line because I had heard this and I was like, no, he doesn't call her Leia. I don't know if it's been dubbed or tweaked now in the new ones because it's not super noticeable. If I didn't know that little tidbit, I would have never noticed, but he calls her, he, he, he calls her Carrie because he, he, I think he had a, a moment of a slip. Let's be honest here. Carrie Fisher is Leia. And Leia yeah, is, is Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Fisher. And yes. there's a lot of actors and actresses where you can say that like, oh yeah, you know, no, no. Leia is actually Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. If Carrie Fisher ran around as a princess with a blaster and disintegrated people who disagreed with her and was actually, she was right in her decision making, that's Carrie Fisher. And Leia is that. So... Okay. <laughs> Agreed. 100%. Yes. Agreed. So that's a little fun fact. And yeah, then the movie and, you know, our, our trio is reunited. R2-D2 is looking a little rough, but he's going to get fixed up in spick and span. Our trio walks off only to be shown again at this award ceremony that is honoring Han and Luke. They both are given medals by Princess Leia and the Resistance. And it's a great big cast call because all our heroes are there. And, you know, no medal for Chewie is still a sticking point, but they they rendered that. So fun fact, I think Chewbacca is actually given a war. He just doesn't wear it. Hmm. Because if you look at Wookiee culture, none of them wear clothes at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the metal would have been seen as a piece of clothing to their culture. Hmm. In sense, they sense. don't wear clothing whatsoever. If that's viewed as a piece of clothing or an article of clothing, then he wouldn't wear the metal whatsoever. So I think there is a thing where, yes, he's actually given a medal, except he doesn't actually wear a piece that defies what his culture actually is. Okay. Look at that. There you go. The more you know. Honestly, but it gets, let me be honest, Disney confused the hell out of the Star Wars universe because no one knows what's canon and what's not anymore because yeah. when Disney came through, they are like, all right, none of this works except for X, Y, and Z, and now this yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really rewrote the book, literally. Um, that's it though that's that's the movie it's a very cut to black moment that's one of the things about all star wars movies like when they end they end talk about a cut to black like screen cut you get this great shot of our trio being applauded all the heroes are surrounding them and then just cut to black star wars directed by george lucas and that's it that's that is your fans world rendition of 1977 Star Wars, A New Hope. We made it through another one. We made it through another one, guys. We live to fight another day. So do you like this movie? That's, a, that's usually a question that I ask at the beginning. 
but I'm going to ask it now. So yeah, so what are your thoughts on this movie? Guess first, Dave. Can you me go first? Yeah, guess first. We're, we have a, we have we we try to use our manners around here. So as I grew up, I I really liked Empire. I think Empire is still one of the best movies. I think it has the best character development. That being said, as we've had this as we've had this conversation, I've made different connections to different things. I feel like this is a, a super strong start to the saga. I don't think I think the prequels are important, but this one does set up a lot of the character development for Obi Wan, for for Luke, for Le- for everyone. It sets up critical foundation that makes the saga as good as it does. It also makes contradictory points, and you know we see that in later movies and later dialogues. I think this is critical. So I like it. I think it's good. Again, not my favorite, but I think it is critical to the saga to have. Kelly, thank you. Thank you, Dave. I will reserve my opinions for my spot. Kelly. I too, I, I really enjoyed this movie. And I feel like having knowing what I know now, I have an even greater appreciation for it because like Dave said, it's critical in setting everything up and you like having that continuity can't speak English today you know what I mean but yes so I really did enjoy it and I I've enjoyed it more this time around after having watched all the movies having every all the pieces of the puzzle and Clone Wars and Rebels and everything else so yeah thank you so I I am of like mindset as well I really like this movie I think it is a great entrance point into the Star Wars universe because you're right it sets up so many opportunities for the saga to take off in different directions because that's the thing everything that we have from Star Wars came from this moment like it or hate it good bad or indifferent this was our entry into this entire universe so I think it I think it tells a really great story in a very effective time. I think it does a lot with the characters that it has in this time. There's great character growth. And like you said, it sets up a lot of opportunities in the sequels and the spinoffs and the shows for these characters and these worlds to be explored and developed. Is it my favorite Star Wars movie? No. I will come back to this once we've really reviewed them all, but I think it's in my top three. I'm not going to lie. I think it's in my top three, but uh, don't quote me on that. I reserve that full judgment for later. It's fallen out of mine. Okay. Um, you know, and I, Rogue One is, I think will forever hold like that top tier spot for me. I right. I agree. And I think Maria, once you once we watch finally Rogue One, get you to yeah. watch it, I think it will be up there with well, that, you as well that's why i say like i reserve that judgment because yeah. i still haven't seen them all but as of right now it's it's a very weak number three for me out of my top three but like i said i i reserve my full judgment until i see them all. this this movie's a top five i think this is easily number five Definitely. or four yeah. but it's it's not the cream of the crop yeah yeah, I think it does what it needs to do in a very good way, in a very effective way. But yeah, it's not. Yeah. All right. So who is your favorite character in the movie, Dave? You know this. This is a fans world question. It is a fans world question. I should have ever prepared. So when I originally watched this as a kid, 
my favorite character was Vader. When I became an adult, more like a teenager, it was Obi-Wan. And so and Luke was number three. Luke is still number three, but the top two is held between Obi-Wan and Vader. I think they're polar opposites. I think they they show the balance of the force. And they're both very effective actors. I think the voice of James is very needed. And I feel like the stage presence that Alex brings is very needed for the saga. So they're both my one and two. And then three is Luke. And then four is Chewbacca and then Solo. All right. I'm really surprised. Why would you think my what do you think my top five was gonna be? I, I I had no idea about your top five. I figured Vader, but I did not expect you to throw that bone at Obi-Wan at all. I I love Obi-Wan. I'm gonna be honest, like there's a there's a there's a Star Wars game I play on my phone and Obi-Wan, the the older Obi-Wan was one I sought to get the most shards in because I wanted him. Hmm. That being said, I also know that there's balance in the force and for every obi-wan you have to have a vader this is this is very true the reason i say this is because uh unbeknownst to all of you out there there have been many 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 conversations where i have had to hold my own against <laughs> either derek or david or somebody else because we just have at times we have different opinions I, lo- I love Obi-Wan, don't get me wrong, but there are times where he's kind of not an elitist, but he's very pure to the Jedi Order, and, you know, this is me coming at my own mind, like, life's not that black and white. Maria's biting her knuckles. <laughs> we will get there when we get there. Anyway, Kelly, we'll be here all night, Kelly. Um, oh, Okay. I, you know, I'm similar to Dave where I should have known this question was coming. I think growing up, if we're going to go that route, growing up, I feel like it was tied between Han and Leia. And then the older I got, of course, especially after Revenge of the Sith, Vader, Vader got, became very high on my list. And then Luke and, you know, of course, Chewie. So, yeah, I think, oh, I think today watching it, you know, it was still kind of like maybe Luke, Vader, no, that's hard. You know what? It's hard. Go it's on, hard. They're one. all they're all the favorites. Um, I want I want to say today watching it, I felt Han. I felt I resonated with him a lot today. And then it was Leia, and then it was Vader, and then it was Luke, and then it was Chewie. Fine. So I mean, I vibe the most with, with Han. Han. I am. I was not expecting you to pick Han. I at oh, all. of course, Obi too. Obi too. I should have. Not, not even that. I, I, I really expected you to pick either Luke or Leia, just from really, like, yeah, from different conversations we've had. So wow, you, you're, you're two for two. You've both surprised me. For me, this was actually really, really hard because going into it, I did not think Obi Wan was my favorite character in this movie because, like, over, overall, overarching. Yes, he's my favorite Star Wars character. But when I think of him, I don't think of this movie right away. I think of the prequels or other stuff. And right off the bat, I would have said Han Solo. Han Solo is, this is the movie that made me fall in love. If I didn't love Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back, I loved him in this movie. Like this one sealed the deal. But the more I watched this movie, 
it was really hard for me to pick between the two. And I'm going to go with Han. I'm going to go with Han as well. So Han, I would say, is my favorite character in this movie. All righty. So favorite scene, David. Again, fans world question. You should have been prepared for these. My. Wow. Yeah, I. Do you want us to come back to you? Yeah, come back to me. Kelly. So if I had to pick just one, I'd say the fight between Obi and Vader. If I, but I also kind of showed my hand earlier because again, those two scenes with Han, like when he's like, oh, hello there. How are you? We're fine. As well as the one where he goes running after them. And again, I, I said, you know, this time around, I vibed most with him. So that's, you know, again, showing my hand. But, you know, if I had to pick just one, it would be the fight between Vader and Obi. Because again. See, this, this is why we have guests. Because if we didn't have guests, it would be Ke- Kelly and I just constantly <laughs> agreeing with each other the entire time. So for me, it comes down to... It would either be that conversation that Han is having as, you know, over the control board when they're trying to rescue Leia. The scene at Obi-Wan's hut where he's telling Luke everything is another contender. But at the end of the day, for me, it comes down to that fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. And that I, I, I think that is such a highlight of this movie. And that I'm going to go with that for my favorite scene. All right, Dave. Yeah, Back to Dave, you. sorry, your time's up. This <laughs> is your face. Final Jeopardy. <laughs> so the top two scenes is the hut because the emotional pull that it has, especially after watching the prequels. The other one is the Cantina scene when Obi-Wan slices the arm off the bandit. The reason I say that is because this is the time where Obi-Wan actually reveals himself as a Jedi. The first time since the fall of the Order. And that has ripple effects. There are Imperial spies in Tatooine itself. So he's revealing himself to everyone. People who are hunting for him. The Empire whatever criminal organizations are looking for for jedis or force users and he puts all of his eggs in the basket in this one encounter with luke and with han and as you guys gave me though at two minutes to think about it that was the one that clicked for me because that's where he throws everything on the table and he doesn't know what's coming out of this table it could be his death or it could be the the hope that he's been looking for is he's been protecting. So he's literally throwing everything on the, on the table and saying, this is what I got left. Take it or leave it. I like it again. I'm surprised. Not what I would have thought you would have picked, but I like it. Well, you guys picked the obvious scene. So (laughs) sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Least favorite scene, something in the movie that doesn't work for you. Do you need another minute, Dave? Um, so this one actually might be a little bit quicker something that I think I could have lived without it was a good like comedy moment but I could have lived without it was the whole dialogue between Leia and Han 
before they jump into the garbage chute. Like the whole argument between those two it was like, yeah, it's funny, but Leia, just shoot the fucking thing already. And just <laughs> jump right in. Don't argue with this. You're you're high and mighty. Just do what you think is right. Okay. So I think that seems like the the low tier for me. Okay. Kelly. I'm gonna be very basic and we already said it, but you know what? I think the fact that yes, you could argue it away, but like there could have been more reactions towards like like we said, the aunt and uncle's death as well as Leia with her planet. And we do get more emotion with Leia as we've previously discussed, but still like a like it's it's sweet too because she's comforting him like afterward on the ship. But still it's like you both just lost a lot. I, I I would expect more despair. Like, yes, in the moment, the adrenaline's pumping. You got to go. But now in this lull, like, Luke's having it. And Leia, it's sweet that you're comforting him. But you you just lost more so even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like that that was one gripe I had. Other than that, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm okay with every other scene being the way it is. Okay. All right. For me, I love everything right up until it, but for me, it's the trash compactor scene. Like when, once they actually fall into the trash compactor, I got bored. Like I always get bored. And when I was watching it, I was actually quite sleepy and I was kind of starting to doze off. And I, I knew I've seen this movie before. I know what's happening. I like this movie, but in that, that, that whole trash compactor, I get it. It's a little bit of a quiet moment, a little bit of comedy, you know, on this great big adventure. But that trash compactor scene for me, I could have just, you could have skipped right over it and I would have not been sad. So that's how I feel. So yeah, so those are our favorite characters, favorite scenes and least favorite scenes. Uh, something else we do here on the show is oh, we always try to tie in theme park and merchandise, and uh, we're not even going to go into merchandise because uh, if, if you can think it, it's out there somewhere. Be it Amazon, Etsy, actual official merchandise. Somebody out there has made it, thought of it, dug it. Uh, park presence over at Walt Disney World and uh, Disney's uh, Disneyland there is a whole section of parks dedicated. I think it, I think at Disneyland, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's in California Adventure. I haven't, my head hasn't been down the Disney rabbit hole in a little while because it's been down other rabbit holes. Uh, I know over at Walt Disney World, it's over in Hollywood Studios and it is that, you know, you're on your own planet. It's the planet of Batu. And on Batu, uh, specifically for uh, the Walt Disney World version, you know, you have, uh, when you walk in, I haven't been there yet since they've done this. And I really, really cannot wait to get there uh, once I can. There's like a full-size Millennium Falcon when you walk in. And it just like, it looks from the pictures, from the, the commercials. I would cry. The, I probably I will would cry. sob with tears <laughs> yep, yep. of joy. Uh, it's a ride. I don't know if the ride's in there, but I know there is a there is a uh, a ride based on you know piloting the Millennium Falcon. It's called uh, Smuggler's Run, where you get to fly the Falcon. You can either be a pilot, a co-pilot, a gunner, or an engineer. Uh, there's Star Tours, which Star Tours used to before all the new movies came out. Star Tours used to actually have footage from the original. Um, movies and I, I think it was the Battle of Yavin 
uh, that it was, you know, when they're flying through the trenches of the Death Star, that was what Star Tours was. But now, since the move, the new sequels have come out, they have since updated it. And it's pretty cool. I love Star Tours. At one point, that was really the only thing that was there for Star Wars. That was a little more when I was there with the stomping grounds. What's up, Dave? You know, the um, that some of the New Hope footage made its way into World One, correct? No, I didn't. See, that's the thing. I haven't. I haven't uh, gotten there. Yeah. So some of the that's footage that they ass. didn't that they didn't use for uh, hope uh, for hope and for return they used in Rogue One. That's really awesome. That is super duper awesome. I now I really want to watch this movie. We should make that our first summer movie. We probably will make it our first summer movie. So there used to be a thing called Star Wars Launch Bay, which at the moment it's temporary, temporarily closed. But I think that's due to pandemic reasons. Again, at one point when I was there, like Star Tours and Star Wars Launch Bay, that was kind of it really for Star Wars. And at the time, Star Wars wasn't really on my personal radar. So if there was more, I didn't notice because I wasn't really a fan at that time. And uh, Star Wars Launch Bay was a great area. You could meet characters. Usually it was Chewbacca and Vader. Sometimes they would have other characters. Uh, Sometimes they would have Jawas walking around and that was always really cool they kind of creeped me out but uh, you know because they used to come up to you and like try to take your things or like not really but like they would try to like it was there were a lot of great interactions with the little jawas uh you they had a great Again, gift shop i would sob <laughs> i am a child I, I yeah it was it you know looking back and i wish i was a fan and i had better appreciation for those things when they were happening around me uh especially like star wars weekends star wars weekends is something that disney doesn't do anymore but for a really long time star wars weekends throughout the entire month of may sometimes they would run longer than that was just at hollywood disney's hollywood studios with star wars explosion and i'll never forget i was there for a couple i I was on property, be it either on vacation or internships, working, whatever. I had been to a couple of Star Wars weekends, but again, never as a fan, always just as a park guest. And I'll never forget one time I was with one of my little cousins and Luke and Leia were doing a photo op. The line for like, you could, he was a Star Wars fan. Like you could see it in his eyes. He was like five and he's like looking at them and like he's foaming at the mouth and me, I'll do anything for a little kid who wants a character experience that I'm with because I loved the character experiences as a kid. So I was like, do, do you want to do it, bud? Do you want to, do you want to go meet them? And when I tell you the line was like, across the park that line was probably like a three-hour line he looked at it and he's like no it's all right and I'm like are you sure bud like I'll I'll do it you want to do it he said no but like just just having him stand off to the side and like literally give heart eyes to Luke and Leia like that's one of my favorite memories of uh my cousin Rob and that I love that love that memory and that's actually probably one of the only memories I really have of Star Wars weekends uh, some of the things that's coming up, they they oh they, they used to have the Jedi Academy where for younger kids, I think under like ten, uh, they could learn to be a Jedi Padawan. 
And it was cute because you could, they used to do it in public and you could sit and watch. And like, again, never had a kid that did it, but used to watch as I would be passing by sometimes. And it's cool. Vader used to come out and uh, they got to, there was always a couple of kids who were picked to fight Darth Vader. Uh, Now with the whole edition of Star Wars land, I think there's the cantina. Uh, You can build your own droid. You can build your own lightsaber. Like the the immersive experiences are through the roof. The most immersive experience that I cannot wait for is that Star Wars hotel that they keep teasing and dangling in front of us. But like we keep hearing like little whispers about it, that it's on schedule or that it's not on schedule. There's like been no like, as far as I know, I could be very wrong. Maybe by the time this episode comes out because of when this episode is coming out, who knows, maybe there will be an official update. But from what I understand, this this Star Wars hotel is going to be like an all-inclusive experience where like you're going to buy a package. I have very limited knowledge about this, but like from what I understand, like you're going to buy like a three or four day like stay you don't have to because it's like its own world inside this hotel. You you pretty much become a character in the Star Wars universe. From what and I've from what I've gathered, it's pretty much you're on a yacht and you pick sort of the occupation you do. You you know you create your own Star Wars legacy within it, and you you're and no one else can touch that. That that is your your legacy in there. Take my money <laughs> so i <laughs> can't wait um i almost had an opportunity to work with one of the lightsaber companies um so when i worked my corporate job the manager that i used to work for knew or i think he still does know one of the companies that actually does the lightsaber contracting with walt disney and so he was asked early on the project before like that company took off um, to go to California and work with them. And like, he almost like invited me. Um, Yeah. Obviously my, obviously the fact that I'm still in the state that I am and my manager is still in the state that he's in um, says that we didn't take that opportunity up. But um, I remember him talking, me and him were talking about, he's like, yeah, no, like, um, I've met this guy through corporate channels and we've had co- like, you know, my former boss had conversations with this guy about, you know, the lore behind it and some of the other stuff. So, and then Disney picked up their contract for it. So there, there were some opportunities there, unfortunately. I missed, but. Should've, could've, would've. Corporate jobs, man. <laughs> for jobs that's awesome i didn't know that that's really awesome but yeah so take take my money on that star wars hotel because i i i I don't know what it's gonna cost i probably won't be able to afford it off the bat but i will work to afford it i just looked up while you guys i I hadn't heard of it before you guys said it and i i don't know how true this is but the first thing that pops up because people ask it Rumors have been going around that the price of a two-night, three-night, three-day stay in Star Wars Hotel will cost between $1,400 and $3,000 per person, and that it could jump up. You know I'm what? I'm not surprised. Fine with it. Yeah, fine. Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with it. If that's what, if that's what it's going to cost, then that's what it's going to cost. Oh, but, that's but good. Like, that's going to take, like, a year's worth of saving. Well, that's what I mean. Like, this is something like that. I will work and do what I have to do. 
uh but, but you're part of the star wars universe forever though that's what i mean like <laughs> I, i'm telling you take my money so you know i'll cross that bridge when i get there hopefully it you. is not that expensive i just but. want a, a lightsaber because then i can yes. be part of it anytime i want in my uh-huh. imagine imagination i can I, bring I wanna, it i want to build my own lightsaber like yes. i want to do that that whole experience and that's not a low price item ticket either that experience is like it was a 200 dollars experience they just upped it i i saw an article Oof, did they that, yeah now it's about a 220 dollars experience it's like so. getting a wand from universal if you're mm-hmm. going for the hair for the harry potter like part got one of those too it's like it, i, I it's a different that's a different part of my heart yeah i i have one of those too one day we'll, we'll one day we'll go down the harry potter rabbit hole oh yes. yeah oh yeah so yeah, that's really that's really what fans world is about. That's why it's called the fans world because we're just fans who are nerds, diehard nerds. <laughs> and this is what we when we're not doing our corporate jobs or our academic lifestyles, this is what we do. We talk about this stuff. We just decided to start recording it. We just decided to start recording it. So, we have gone on quite a bit tonight. So, I'm about ready to wrap this up. How are y'all feeling about this? I think, I think we're we're at that point. We're at that point. Let's close it. <laughs> Let's close it. All right. So thank you so much for tuning into this month's episode. We appreciate and welcome all of our old listeners and to our new ones. Welcome. We're happy you're here. Um, please download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It's a little thing you can do to help out the show in a big way. We will be back in June with the episode we originally promised you, Disney's live action and animated classic, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, if you have any questions for us, comments, concerns, if you want to tell us how much we annoy you or that you love us, you can reach us on the Twitter, Facebook, or email. For example, it's a fans world podcast at gmail.com or it's a fans world P1 on Twitter or our Facebook, it's a fans world at Facebook. Now, Dave, where can the fans reach you? Because you know you're going to get some Star Trek hate. I'm going to get some hate. <laughs> and I'm come for you. So if people want to troll me, as the case may be, um, you can do it at, uh, at Historian Tibbs. If you would like to listen to Maria, our other co-host Derek, and our other co-host Lauren and me talk about historical facts or go off on historical tangents, I've been told that we do, you can find us at Operation History on Twitter. It's Operation Hist. Or you can shoot us an email at operationhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Um, shoot us an email, say how much you think Star, Star Trek is better than Star Wars. I'll disagree, and that's fine because this is what you know. That's what we can do. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's uh, it's always a pleasure, and I'm glad that you guys actually can tolerate my uh, my critical insight. Hey, we welcome that critical yes. insight. These episodes are, I love the episodes with me and Kelly, but when we can have you, it's always great to have that diversity and opinion. And Absolutely. I, I like I like your insights. And even if we have different opinions, I think that's what makes the show great because that's what makes the world go around. Completely agree. So, yes. So yeah, so that is where you can reach Dave. And yeah. So like, like Dave said, we also have another show that I am also a part of that is part of the Down the Hall podcast network. It is called Operation History. While this show is fun and whimsical and we do stuff that is passionate, that we're passionate about as fans, Operation History is a completely different show. 
that is where our academic lives come into play. We are academic historians. There is actual professional research that goes into that. So we are very proud and take the research that we do for that show very seriously. Despite what our shenanigans may seem like. Yes, despite despite what goes on behind the mic. But I am going to turn it back over to Kelly. Um, so as always, thank you, Dave, for joining, uh, joining us. You know, it's always fantastic, like having everybody on, like Maria said. And we look forward to having you back again. And hopefully Derek can join us too and just get the whole gang. Um, but yeah, and hopefully we haven't scared you off yet too much with that. But I mean, at this point in our friendship with everybody, I mean, you guys were all like, you guys are kind of stuck with us. So I'm, yep, you're stuck with me. There's, there's no escape at this point. Stockholm um, syndrome is a real thing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I think I'll, I'll leave this outro to you, Maria. Alrighty. So it has been real fans world is back. We are back better than ever. We've swung for the fences. This has been our star Wars episode. So whether you say may the force be with you or may the fourth be with you have a great may the fourth for now until next time on it's a fans world. I am Maria and I'm Kelly. And we will see you real soon. has no association with any of the companies, organizations, or studios mentioned in this podcast. The views and expressions of the hosts and guests are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent any companies or institutions that they currently work at or attend or have previously worked for or previously attended in the past. We thank you for listening and tune in next time to join us.